Psalm 8, the Lord's glory and man's dignity. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Sunday morning's psalm is beautiful and is read a great deal. And we see in Psalm 8 the glory of God and the dignity of man. We also see man created for a purpose and how appropriate to be reminded of this. In this season where so many folks question personal existence and personal value, it was Palm Sunday and Jesus had just entered the temple courts and he had driven out all who were buying and selling there. He had overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and In Matthew chapter 21, verse 14, we read that the blind and the lame came to Jesus at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that Jesus was doing, and they heard the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. And in verse 16, we hear the chief priests and the teachers say, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? What did we hear David just say in Psalm 8, verse 2? From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Praising the Lord establishes strength. Praising causes the adversary to cease. What does that mean? Praise. Praise stops a whole lot of murmur. A whole lot of chatter. You know, if we're speaking positive... We have to work very hard to be negative. If we're concentrating on speaking things uh, that are positive, speaking things of life, we've got to work very hard, (laughs) very hard to be negative. Psalm 8 verse 4, we, we read, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? We just saw Jesus tending to the blind and the lame there in Matthew 21. Do you need to be reminded today that God thinks about you? God thinks about you. Just imagine, the Lord of the universe, the Lord of all creation, 
desires to have an intimate relationship with you. Wow. David reads in verse 5, Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Some translations of verse 5 read a little lower than the angels. And and that word in the original text is Elohim, and, and that includes, that's divine ones, superhuman beings, including God and angels. So some translations would read, you have made man a little lower than the angels. And then we read that God has crowned Man with glory and majesty. Glory, significance, majesty, beauty, honor, splendor, good. God has crowned man with glory and majesty. Each of us should have a very high self-esteem. God has crowned each of us with, with value, with, with worth, And in the same way that God values and tends to us, we are to do the same. Psalm 8, verse 6, we read, You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. God has put us in charge of all creation, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. Verse 6 through 8, we read that man is created to, in popular vernacular, man has been created to get after it. Man has been created to take initiative. An initiative is a trait that most often has to be taught and modeled. And the best place for that is in the home. That's where I learned it, and that's where my children learn it. Man was created to take initiative. We see this initiative first in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We were created to be stewards of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed, that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And this command continues on after the Israelites leave Egypt. In the book of Numbers, chapter 33, we read that the Lord speaks to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. And the Lord is saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and and tell them, When you cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, 
Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and you will destroy all of their figured stones, and destroy all their molten images, and demolish all of their high places. That, that was where they would do their pagan worship. And God says, You shall take possession of the land and live in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. But then the Lord gives a warning along with this directive. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come about that those whom you let remain of them, they will become pricks in your eyes and like thorns in your sides, and they will trouble you in the land in which you live. And as I plan to do to them, so I will do to you. Taking the land, taking it means taking care of it. God has given us purpose, and even if some of us might feel otherwise in this quarantine, we are to quote-unquote get after it, and, but we're to do it in such a way that points to the Lord. As He is mindful of us, we need to be mindful of Him. This idea of being mindful, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and following, we read words like this, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. But take care to take care to take care. Make sure to take care. Give no offense either to Jews or to, or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Paul is saying, make sure to, to be mindful. Worry about yourself. Watch yourself, but be considerate of others. Make sure that your behavior points to the Lord. And Paul gives clarity to this direction in his letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 3 begins this way. Paul says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And in verse 10, we're told to put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Remember, we're made in God's image. We have been made in God's image. We've been crowned with glory and majesty, and dignity. Paul continues in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then in verse 17 we read, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Be mindful. Take care to take care. Make sure to take care. Worry about yourself. Be considerate of others. Do with the right intent. Do with the right reason. Do what you do to do what you have to do, but do it in a way that brings glory to the Lord. And that's a whole lot easier. That's going to be a whole lot easier if the Word of Christ dwells within you and me richly with wisdom, with with teaching, with admonishing, with correction. Uh, no one loves correction, but we all need it from time to time. With worship. When we give the Lord our attention, and in worship we focus on the Lord, and we need to be pointing others to the Lord when we worship. When we give the Lord our attention, we what happens, we, we take it off of ourselves. In Psalm 8, in Psalm 8, the final verse, verse 9, we read this. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is a repeat of the very first verse of Psalm 8. Remember, the Psalms are songs. This is a refrain. There's a well-known Bible teacher named Derek Kidner, and this is what he wrote about Verse 9 of Psalm 8, Kidner writes, Man's dominion over nature, wonderful though it is, takes second place to his calling as servant and worshiper, to whose very children the name of the Lord has been revealed. And when we think of the name of the Lord, we're thinking about the glory and the goodness of the Lord. This idea of majesty, of glory, See, all of this work and purpose and initiative, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. But only if we use our work day, our all day, to give the Creator God all the glory. We need to be careful to worship the Lord, not our labor or the fruits of our labor. And, and one of the most powerful stories about this is found in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 33. The Israelites in the wilderness, they have taken their eyes off of the Lord and they have turned to the golden calf, which that was made out of their own labor. And that didn't end well. And the Lord threatens to remove his glorious presence from the Israelites, from the whole nation. And but here's the beautiful thing about the Lord in his covenant faithfulness, in his covenant loyalty, in his loving kindness, in his promised loyalty. He will still let the Israelites go to the promised land. And he's going to send an angel to lead them and to protect them. But he will not himself go with them. 
Well, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, we read that Moses says to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, they weren't like those folks who want to look like everybody else. And the Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses says, <laughs> Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But... You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord says, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back but my face must not be seen. You know, we have seen the glory of the Father. All the goodness of the Lord has passed in front of us. John chapter 1, verse 14, we read these words. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and, and full of truth. Jesus, Jesus, the Word made flesh. You know, there will come a day when we will see the majesty of the Lord face to face. In 1 John chapter 3, we read these words. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Until then, in the living of these days, we're to go on living. We're to go on living. The Lord in His glory has given us dignity and given us purpose. The writer of the, of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 12 that we're to run with endurance the race that is set before us. In the living of these days, we can't forget to live. We're to go on living. And some days, you know, we need that encouragement. We're to live. And when we feel like we don't have a purpose, we can't depend on our feelings, our emotions. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 reminds us that the heart, the, the seat of our emotions, the heart is deceitful above all things. And in this season of quarantine, we're finding 
that it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to lose sight. You see, we're to go on living. And we can live with hope because of the reminder which we just read in Psalm 8. David said in verse 4, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. We read in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus, this son of man, though he was God, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. And for this reason also, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. God the Father has crowned God the Son with glory and majesty. And Paul writes there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory, to the glory of the Father. In Psalm 8, verse 6, David writes of the Lord, You make him to rule over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. And that's just what the Lord has done. Jesus, the, the Son of God, rules and will rule over all creation, over all the works of our hands, in his obedience to choose the cross for our sins and for our sake. God the Father highly exalted God the Son giving Jesus both victory and authority over sin, over death, over hell, thereby putting all things under his feet. David asks in Psalm 8, O God, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you, that you care for him? We are of such value that he has shown his great faithfulness to us by dying on the cross for each of our sins, each one of us, God the Son, Jesus. We have been given freedom from sin and the assurance of eternal life, life with Him, life forever.